Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 34. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Mil Proyer of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? Pretty good, Greg. How are you? Pretty good. So we have a week 34 report in the books. This week, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is the week where... In fact, the um, the lockout was happening in the early part of the week, correct? Yeah, about a day or a day and a half of CP's work week 34 would reflect the actual uh, labor disruption and then the balance of that week, if you will, um, their restart of operations, which they started midday, I think, on the Tuesday of week 34. Okay, well, let's dive into the numbers. Let's start with CP because the, you know, not bit of a surprise as to how, how well they managed. How, what did it look like uh, from your end, Mel? Yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, it's 64% in absolute terms. You wouldn't necessarily tout that as great performance, but if you understand what they were going through in that week, um, you know, to some extent, kudos to them. They improved from the week 33 performance, which is when they were shutting their network down in anticipation of the labor disruption. And you know, they were only 49% in week 33, but managed to punch that up to 64% in, uh, in week uh, 34. So uh, not great, but better certainly than it could have been. Um, the one issue for CP, which seems to be developing and has been the driver of their performance largely, if you will, over the last couple of weeks is Thunder Bay. So right now, Thunder Bay is ramping up. Uh, the Seaway is opening and the beginning of the shipping season through the Seaway is uh, getting going in earnest. The volumes have ramped up significantly over the course of the last three to four weeks. And it's a big issue for CP because that's a, they're much bigger to Thunder Bay than CM historically on a volume basis. Um, and when you get to this time of year, uh, Thunder Bay becomes a key corridor for CP and can be depending how they do a driver of performance. So the last couple of weeks have not been good now, you know, in the context of a pending labor disruption and then a labor disruption and a recovery. But still, um, you know, while they've performed better in other corridors like Vancouver, Thunder Bay has been a problem for a couple of weeks now. Um, 16% in week 34, 21% in week 33. So something to watch going forward. Thanks, Milt. And um, yeah, I mean, so a, a bit surprising. That's uh, good news, I suppose, at least from a general standpoint, our performance for CPCN. How'd they perform? Well, a little bit uh, better than the week prior. They had uh, had a kind of a steady slide there for three or four weeks. Uh, so in week 34, they turned it around a little bit, uh, went from 59% week 33 to 69% in uh, week 34. Again, not great, but at least trending in the right direction. Inconsistency continues to plague them somewhat, which is something that's been a recurring theme for both them and CP actually for much of this grain year, particularly since uh, mid-November. So they were better in uh, the Vancouver and Thunder Bay corridors, uh, which didn't take a lot given how bad they were in week uh, 33 in those corridors. So some improvement there. Um, unfortunately, that comes with some regression in the Prince Rupert corridor. 
um, where they dropped from nearly perfect, 99% in week 33, down to 73, I think, in week 34. So again, um, you know, positive in the sense that it's going up, not down, uh, but the inconsistency issue is uh, remains problematic for uh, CN. So historically, what is the split between the two railways into Thunder Bay, Melt, between CP and CN? Uh, I'm going to go from memory, but I'm going to say it's 60-40, 65-35, something like okay. that, CP versus CN. Okay. Why Why more on CP than CN? Just I think it's just a matter of, yeah, geography. Yeah, okay. Um, all right, well, let's dive into provincial performance. Uh, you know, some real up and down as usual between the provinces. So we can start um, west to east. Let's start with Alberta. Yeah, um, you know, uh, seeing steady, even performance across the provinces is uh, a rarity and not much of it this week. Again, I guess I would say for the most part, you know, generally stable. Uh, Alberta, uh, pretty good, actually. Uh, you know, CN at 79% improving. Uh, CP came down a little bit, but, you know, they were near perfect in week 33. So certainly a very respectable 94% order fulfillment rate in week 34. As always, you know, the West Coast is the driver uh, for CP. That's all about Vancouver. For CN, it's about Vancouver and Prince Rupert. Both railways did well going to Vancouver in week 34, and CN was uh, kind of dragged down uh, in the Prince Rupert corridor, 72%, which kind of mirrored what they did uh, on a system basis for that corridor. Saskatchewan? Uh, pretty good. Um, you know, CN came down just a little bit. Uh, CP improved a little bit. Uh, you know, not to sound repetitive, in absolute terms, the numbers are not great. Uh, 61 and 72 for CN and CP respectfully or respectively, but, um, you know, could always be worse. Uh, it didn't go down. So that's a positive sign, certainly in the volatile environment that we've been living in this year. So all in all, not too bad. Well, speaking of volatile, Manitoba, they seem to often be the one province that takes it pretty hard. How did they do in week 34? Not great. Um, <laughs> They've had a tough go for a number of weeks, uh, if not months this year. Uh, very uh, poor performance from both railways, sometimes in the same week, sometimes in alternating weeks. CN, uh, you know, got better, I guess, consistent with what they did on a system basis. Not terribly great, uh, fulfilling 58% of orders, but that is two weeks of, of improvement in a row. So I guess in a sense, that's a positive sign. CP, though, a very different story. Um, you know, 5% of orders fulfilled. And, and this is where the Thunder Bay story uh, comes home to roost because a lot of the traffic that goes to Thunder Bay uh, originates in Manitoba. And that's largely a function of geography, shipping distance, cost, whichever variable you want to consider. Uh, but the Thunder Bay corridor, particularly for CP out of Manitoba, uh, is growing in importance and will continue to grow in importance uh, in the coming weeks as the shipping season ramps up. 
and they haven't been good. Um, you know, they were 0% uh, going to Thunder Bay uh, in week 34 from Manitoba origins. But more broadly, you know, if we look back over the last seven weeks, uh, CP has been, uh, I don't even know what the right word is, terrible uh, for Manitoba shippers. They've delivered less than 15% of cars on time for shippers in five of the last seven weeks. Two of those weeks, they were 0%. And in the middle of all that, they managed to pull off two near perfect weeks at something like 99 and 96%. So apart from volatile, um, just generally poor. So I think if, when we look at you know what's gonna come forward in the Thunder Bay corridor performance in the coming weeks, if it's good, Manitoba shippers are gonna benefit from that because that'll be a big chunk of their business. If it's bad, um, you know, it's gonna be reflected there as well. So it'd be an interesting one to watch in the next few weeks. Yeah, thanks, Milton. I think Thunder Bay, I think you're right. It'd probably take a closer look at Thunder Bay sometime in one of these uh, podcasts next couple of weeks around what we should be expecting there. Well, uh, so overall, not, not, I mean, considering there was a labor shortage, uh, not bad. Um, how are we looking now going ahead? Uh, labor shortage must've had, or sorry, labor disruption would have had a potentially big in, impact on potentially outstanding orders. Like where are we sitting right now with, uh, in general, with the, with the system? Well, the labor, uh, the effects of the labor disruption will certainly take longer to resolve than the labor disruption actually lasted. So, I mean, um, the labor disruption itself only ran for a little more than 48 hours. I think they went out basically at midnight or a little bit before midnight on Sunday, um, the 20th. And then CP was restarting their operations at noon on the 22nd on the Tuesday. Um, but when you have these kinds of events, you know, the effect is, uh, lasts a lot longer and can be more widespread than uh, the actual disruption itself. I mean, we saw that with the disruptions in the Vancouver corridor when we had the floods in November. Um, now this was not, of course, nearly as severe as that one was, but arguably uh, going on four months later, uh, the railways are still trying to figure out how to recover from you know, that initial disruption in the Vancouver corridor because performance has been, you know, at a completely different level and not in a good way, you know, since that happened in week 16. So CP's performance, I would expect, is going to start to come back. You know, we saw a little bit of that in week 34. And if they've got their, you know, ducks lined up and there's no funny business going on with with labor as the arbitration process um, continues, we should see performance continue to improve in the coming weeks. The outstanding order issue, though, is, is one that has raised its head again. Um, you know, the first rise we saw after a couple of weeks of, of pretty good improvement by both railways was in week 33. Coming into week 30, or coming out of week 34, CN uh, made some headway. You know, they dropped their numbers by about 40%. They're still sitting at 500 orders, but that was pretty good progress in a week. Um, CP, not so much. Uh, uh, this is, I think, really where uh, the impact of the labor disruption has shown itself most readily. 
you know, they came out of week 33 with a little less than 800 outstanding orders. And then through week 34, that number grew to more than 1300. So, you know, that's a big number. Um, they haven't typically dealt with that particularly well. Um, it's not in a familiar position to them because they've kind of been there for a good part of the last four months. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Um, a, does CN continue to make progress because theirs has been, you know, halting, I would describe it as, in recent months. Uh, and with CP, having seen the spike in week 34, it'll be interest, interesting to see how quickly they can start to whittle that number down. It's not all going to go away at once. Um, but if they can continue to kind of knock that number down week by week by week, uh, you know, with a little luck, that thing will be negligible. Uh, within the next three to four weeks, which would be a, a good sign of recovery. Yeah, it's very positive outlook, but I guess considering the demand is so low and uh, weather's getting better, it uh, probably makes sense. Um, it certainly doesn't seem like the railways are going to put on any or, or change their operating, how they're operating right now. So it's just going to be time, correct, on how to get this performance up. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a fair assessment. I mean, uh, if you look back over the performance going back to mid-November, I hate to harp on that point in time, but that's really when things changed for both railways. Um, we haven't seen anything from either CN or CP that would suggest that they have increased capacity or necessarily materially improve their execution with the capacity that they do have in place. Um, and now that we're, you know, in the dwindling phase, if you will, of, of the grain year, because volumes tend to decline pretty significantly starting in April through to the end of the crop year at the end of July, it's hard to imagine that either railway is, you know, going to do anything to, bring on additional assets and ramp up performance uh, until the new grain year, or at least until uh, they have some visibility on what they think, you know, the crop is going to come in at for the new grain year and what those volumes will translate into uh, business for them, which will then let them set their asset base. So I think we're just kind of wander around uh, with mediocre performance probably for the next little while, um, you know, if volume continues to decline, presumably the railways won't remove even more assets from the equation. So if you put those two things together, you know, we'll probably see performance rise as we get into the latter half of April, May and June. And a lot of that I think is going to be a function of just, you know, dwindling demand as opposed to quote unquote improved performance. Yeah, thanks, Mill. Well, we'll see if they keep the capacity at where it is now, I guess. Four more months until the next uh, grain year, so it's coming up quick. Um, it's, gonna, it's just around the corner. So, all right, Mel, thanks a lot for that report. Uh, those For those of you who would like to see the rest of the reports, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com, and we'll talk to you all next week. Bye.